The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. We are in a, a series of sermons uh, based off of the book of Romans, and so we're working our way through this, this marvelous letter that Paul has given us. And so if you have your Bible still open, you might want to open to Romans chapter 1, and we'll be reading a passage there beginning in verse 18 this morning. We mentioned a couple sign-up sheets that, that we had at the beginning. Another one that, that we do have is for uh, Hands of Hope. And so if you're free on Fridays during the day, I know some of you are not because you work, but, but if you are and you can help deliver Hands of Hope bags to the schools, there's a sign-up sheet in the back, and that's a wonderful ministry that, that our congregation does where we provide uh, food to kids in need on the weekends. Romans 1, beginning in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their, the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. It's important to pay attention to the flow of these first few chapters. Uh, most of us have, have read Romans before, and so we know what is coming. We know what to expect. But there was once a moment in history when people heard this letter for the first time, and it was probably in a worship assembly. Uh, the letter of Romans was the sermon for that morning, and, and they had no idea what Paul might be writing to them about. And they listened intently as the words of this apostle were read aloud. And Paul begins with a greeting, which was customary in that day. He, he alters this greeting a little bit for Christians. Uh, he, he gives a greeting to a Christian audience. But, but this would have been something uh, they would have expected. He goes on to define the gospel as Jesus taking on flesh and being raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. He reminds them that Jesus was descended from David and is therefore the, the true Messiah whom we should call Lord. He then moves on to give them a taste of what this letter is all about. And so he famously writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And now, Paul is done with the preliminaries. And he has set the stage for what is to come. 
So where does he begin? Well, he begins with sin. And the first thing he states is, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And over the next two and a half chapters, this is going to be the focus of what Paul discusses. He wants his readers to have a proper understanding of sin in the world. Talking about sin evokes certain emotions. We don't care much for discussing our own faults or sins. Even the word sin is something that has disappeared from our vocabulary. You're only likely to hear it in a church service on Sunday morning. And there are some churches who have uh, even stopped using it. Although sin is something that we all do, it's not mentioned by the media, it's not mentioned by our leaders, and it's not even in our everyday conversations. It's all around us, but we go about pretending like it is not there. Uh, one aspect of sin that we don't mind discussing is the sin of others. And we don't want to talk about our own sins, but, but we have no problem discussing the sins of our neighbors. And we especially enjoy hearing about the sins of our enemies. And this is just part of human nature. And Paul perfectly understood this, and, and he uses it to his advantage. And so, so Paul begins talking about the sins of pagans. And he says, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Now, none of the people who received this letter were pagans. Uh, some of them were Gentiles, uh, but they were Christians, and, and prior to that, they were probably God-fearers. Uh, these Christians could easily see the foolishness of paganism. You know, they could just sit back and, and poke fun at the, the drunkenness and debauchery that, that went along with pagan worship and pagan festivals. And these Christians could feel pretty good about themselves because at least they weren't like the pagans. And we do the same thing today with other groups. And it might be Muslims. It might be protesters in Washington and other places. It might be, you know, whoever. We look at them and we think to ourselves, well, you know what? We have our faults, but at least we're not like them. And with these opening remarks, Paul has won over his audience by pointing out the sins of others. But he's not done yet. And so Paul next turns his attention to the Jews. Uh, people who thought of themselves as God's chosen people. And they felt special because God had chosen them among all the other nations. And surely they would be saved because of this special designation. Or at least they thought. And they were nothing like pagans. Uh, they looked down upon their immoral behavior. But consider what Paul has to say about this group. He says, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law 
and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you're instructed from the law. And if you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. And according to Paul, the Jews who are God's chosen people fare no better than the pagans. Paul will even go on to explain in chapter 3 that the Jews should have known better because they were given the word of God. They were held to a higher standard because God had revealed more to them than he had revealed to the pagans. And although some of Paul's audience were Jews, they were of Jewish descent, uh, they were now followers of Jesus. And they perhaps knew Jews who were strict legalists or hypocrites. And they could probably still feel pretty good about Paul's assessment because he was talking about another group. And so far, this is a sermon that, that many would have enjoyed because it's a sermon about the sins of others. And we can imagine, as, as this letter was being read to the Roman congregation, Paul receiving a few amens as he listed the sins of the pagans and the Jews. Go get them, Paul. And we like to believe we are better than other groups. And Paul is playing into that desire. He has his audience's attention. They are on board with everything he has to say. This is a sermon to remember. But then it takes an unexpected turn. It's no good to look at the sins of others and not our own. And so Paul begins to talk about the sinfulness of every human being, including the Christians who would hear or read this letter. And so he says things like, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And he goes on to say, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what was once a rousing sermon that played to the base has now become a message that is stepping on some toes and hits a little too close to home. And we as human beings like to make distinctions. We like to think one group is better than another. We like to think that we're not as bad as someone else. And we tend to overlook our own faults while magnifying the faults of others. But here, Paul clearly says, there is no distinction. We have all sinned. We are all guilty. We are all in need of God's grace. And we may not want to hear this, but this is the beginning of the gospel. 
And the reality for everyone here this morning is that we are sinners. We have fallen short. We have done what we should not have done. And we have not done what we should have done. And the sooner that we admit this, the sooner we come to grips with this, the sooner we can be recipients of God's grace. You know, we live in a world where just mentioning the word sin is taboo. People avoid the subject. They don't talk about it. And what makes the church unique is that we are the only group besides maybe AA that come together and we admit every week that we've messed up. If you think about it, other groups don't do this. Now, deep down, everyone knows that they're a sinner, but no one wants to acknowledge it. It's like having cancer, and the doctor thinks that the best way to address it is just to ignore it. And this is how a lot of people approach sin. Paul makes it clear in the beginning of Romans that this is a level playing ground, that that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Now, as human beings, we would rather talk about other people's sins. But Paul won't allow that. He makes sure that we don't put ourselves on a pedestal and look down on others. He says, again, there's no distinction. Why? Well, it's easy for us to fall into a trap where we look at what others are doing wrong, but we never look at ourselves. And that's a very dangerous trap to fall into because we fail to recognize our own shortcomings. And we may really enjoy sermons about the sins of others, but they don't do us any good. Being a Christian means coming to grips with our own sins so that we can repent, receive forgiveness, and become a better person. And there is a reason why AA is the only other group besides the church that makes it mandatory for you to confess your sinfulness. Because they understand that if you don't do this, then you're not going to get better. Acknowledging Our sinfulness humbles us. It causes us to not think too highly of ourselves. It puts us in the right posture to receive God's forgiveness. And once we do this, we can then begin to grow into the image of Jesus. Never forgetting where we came from. And never forgetting what God has done for us. So this morning, we're going to end as we always do with a prayer. And I'm going to use a simple prayer uh, that's found in Luke 18, 13, part of the reading that, that Bobby did for us this morning. It's a prayer that Jesus commended, and therefore it's a prayer that we should commit to heart. And it goes right along with what we've read in Romans, because it is a prayer that acknowledges our sinfulness. And I'm going to read the prayer, and then we're going to have a moment of silence as we meditate on the words of the prayer and as we confess our own sins before God. And then we'll conclude with a prayer 
asking for forgiveness. Luke 18, 13. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come before you now asking for mercy because we are sinners. We have fallen short. We have not done your will on occasions. We have not lived up to the image of your Son. And we ask forgiveness. We are so thankful for what Jesus has done for us so that we might receive this forgiveness. May we have humble hearts as we acknowledge our own shortcomings. And may we not look down upon others or think that we're better than other people. Because as Paul says in Romans, there is no distinction that we are all in need of your grace. And we're so thankful for that grace and mercy that is made possible by the sacrifice of your son on the cross. We pray this in his name. Amen.